Hello friends and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. It's a day late, but still sounding great. I'm your host, Mark Heath, as ever. And with me, of course, is my right-hand man, Andy Warren Hutch Hogan. Andy, how are you? Hello. Uh, yes, I'm fine. I'm looking out of my bedroom, my spare bedroom window, and there's um, there's some strange going on. I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to leave this quite cryptic, cryptic but my, my neighbour is doing something a little bit odd in his garden and that and that is where we're going to leave that story is your is your finger hovering over the uh the police call the um police. yeah we're not not quite police territory but just like it's just unusual and i'm i'm aware that's really quite ambiguous and vague but um um he's fully clothed and that yeah and that, and that is where we'll leave it just leave it vague let the let the carry army make their own minds up as to what might be happening um we should explain, Hutchie, before we get going, that obviously this is a day late this week. Uh, yesterday we tried to record the podcast, but we met with technical issues, I believe they're called in the trade. And uh, it was actually the, the shadowy archant figures that were the, the cause of it, was it not? Uh, it was. Uh, again, this we probably shouldn't be any anything more than vague with this, mm. but, but the shadowy archant figures have made it a little more difficult than it previously was for us to record these podcasts. Yeah. Um, and it's not appreciated. Yeah. They're trying to shut us down. We're too popular. That's yeah. But, but we will not be silenced. <laughs> exactly. We'll continue to tell the truth and, and, <laughs> and spit fire in the booth. <laughs> uh, Hutchie, um, we've got quite a lot coming up on the show today. We've got a, a little game of mastermind, which I'm looking forward to. I'm expecting to be thoroughly destroyed at that. Uh, we've also got your, your own, Ipswich Town Awards, our own take on the, on the awards from the past uh, disappointing season. But um, how have you been, first of all? How, how are you going? How are you finding lockdown? How's things? What have you been up to since we last spoke? Do we still call this lockdown? I'm not, I don't feel locked down, um, which is a good feeling. Yeah. Uh, because I can, I can go out, well, as, as can everybody, uh, go out whenever, whenever we like, really. Just just cannot go in other people's houses. You can't go in other people's houses, no, but you can, it seems, do pretty much everything else other than uh, obviously go to a pub or restaurant. Um, you can certainly go and stand in a queue for three hours to get to Sports Direct. You can. Um, you can. I, <laughs> I, have, I have not, and I'm going to venture that you probably haven't either. Not really my scene, that. Um, um, no. <clears throat> I, tell you, I tell you what, though, I... Sports Direct and Primark, uh, it's not something I've done, but I I can, as a father, mm. I can kind of see why the need to get out to a shop uh, is very great because my, my daughter has gone through probably two clothing sizes. Of course, yeah. In, uh, in the space of time where shops can be closed. I mean, you, you have been, you can all buy, buy clothes either in supermarkets or online, but... There are going to be an awful lot of children out there who have grown out of their entire wardrobe since the middle of March. So I can understand I can understand that. But in, in general, let's be honest, nobody needs to queue for three hours to get into a Primark or a Sports Direct. No, the, world, the world's gone mad. The other thing we should mention, of course, actually, since we last spoke, is football is back, baby. Uh, I say football, obviously, I mean the Premier League, which is the only football that matters. Um did you watch any of it last night? I did actually. I watched um, too much of of Aston Villa v Sheffield United. 
God, that uh, was dreadful. It, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Some really like some quite powerful moment at the beginning of the game, and then with with uh, the players taking a knee for for Black Lives Matter and also a, a minute silence for, the, for for coronavirus victims, which was which was quite powerful because we didn't necessarily know all of that was coming, and then a hugely controversial moment where. Technology failed football. Would you believe it? <laughs> um, but this one, the goal line technology has always been so good. Yeah. But um, but yeah, let down on the big stage. Um, then I did. I watched the first half of of Man City v Arsenal as well. What I enjoyed most about it, and you're right, the um, I thought the kneeling down bit was the highlight of the whole thing. That was that was a very powerful thing to do, especially because it seemed like no one really knew that was going to happen. Um, but the thing I found most interesting about it, and the games, let's face it, were, were pretty pretty shit. Um, was the was the crowd noise option on the TV? Yeah, because I I switched it on on the on the crowd noise and thought, oh, it's all right. This I wonder if they might obviously pipe in this in for the players, um, so it must be all right. And then I switched over the channel, uh, and obviously you've got the silent option on the other channel, and that, that felt really weird to me. Mm. Um, it was it was such. I mean, crowd noise is such an omnipresent thing at football games, isn't it? And it just felt felt weird to watch it. On the silent, I mean, where was, what was your take on the on the old crowd noise thing? I I quite like it. I know, look, clearly, clearly, it's not it's it's not normal. It's nay normal. Football yeah. is football isn't back as we know it, and we know that crowds uh, make football. That's become pretty clear if we didn't know it already. But mm. in general, I like the crowd noise. I think the Premier League have maybe got a little bit of work to do on on the standard of theirs because. Um, obviously, the Bundesliga have had a bit of practice, but theirs is theirs is really good, um, and I think La Liga have done it as well, and theirs is really good. Um, so, but for a first outing, I thought it was decent, and particularly if if you're kind of sitting down intently watching the game, mm. you'll notice all the little oddities and why it isn't great. But so many people, I, like like I was I was watching the Sheffield United Villa game while uh, while I was cooking a beautiful bolognese uh, <laughs> last night and um just to, just to have that kind of buzz in the background it just it just it felt every time you glanced at it it felt normal yeah um so yeah it definitely adds something i think and it, I, th- I think it will probably be here to stay that one until uh, until fans are allowed back I, I like it it just needs to be a bit more reactive, doesn't it? It's kind of quite generic at the moment. And yeah. I understand in other sports in other countries, they've got it so it kind of rises and falls at the right time and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but I, I think it, it certainly added to the experience. It made it feel more like football was actually back rather than just 22 guys playing a, a glorified practice game in an empty stadium. Yeah. Um, do you know what else has been making noise this week, Hutchie? No. Luke Garbutt, because you've been speaking to him. That, that, my friend, is a professional segue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you spoke You spoke to Luke, obviously now no longer at town and soon to be out of contract at Everton and, and on his way from there. Um, just gives an up, because obviously the big question is whether or not town have any chance of signing him in the summer. Um, and from what you've been saying to me, you think that's 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 unlikely, it's fair to say. It feels it feels unlikely to me. Um he he says the right things. I think he means them in that he would never like the door isn't shut on Ipswich. He enjoyed his time here. He was happy here. Um, and I'll be honest, 
I imagine the plan all along was for him to come here and sign permanently once Ipswich were back in the championship and sort of end of September time, start of October, that was looking that was looking perfect. He was he was one of the main men, uh scoring scoring goals, scored in both of his first two games and then the stunning free kick against against Tranmere, Ipswich were top of the league and flying and it all looked set that Ipswich would, would go on, win promotion and Luke Garbutt would be uh would, would kind of find his new home. Um with Ipswich because he he's going to need a new home this summer one way or another. But mm. um, yeah, I think things have changed. Uh, Mid-table League One financial financial changes. Um, it seems unlikely to me, uh, but I would be very pleasantly surprised if it does happen because he's a good guy um, and, a, and a and a good football player as well. So yeah. Hopefully, you never know. They might get something done there. They're going to need some kind of. I think they'll need to recruit a left back, potentially, mm. uh, of some description, this summer. Um, and he would have been one they'd have wanted. But uh, yeah, the way the way that I kind of read it is that it might potentially be a bit difficult. You would you would think for a player of, of his pedigree and, and calibre, and you know he had a decent season at town. You, you'd expect him to be looking championship, wouldn't you? At least, and certainly wage wise, probably for the sort of wage that that may be beyond town at the moment. Mm. Well, yeah, whatever whatever happens, he's going to be needing to take a wage cut from mm. his, and and he'll know that he's a clever guy. He 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 knows what he's doing. <clears throat> he he'll know that his next contract is going to need him to take a cut almost certainly from what he was earning at Everton. Um, yeah, he said he wants to play at as high a level as he possibly can and that's completely understandable. And yeah, you're probably right. I, I would say, I don't know, maybe a... I don't... Let's just pluck some teams. Someone, if if they stay up, someone like a, a Wigan, um, yeah. someone like that. Um, yeah, that kind of club, I think, in the Championship would be... Would be the kind of club he'd after. He'd be after. Mm. Um, and the other thing you kind of alluded to it there, Hutchie, in terms of financial changes, which we, we'll briefly touch on now. But at some point, obviously, uh, maybe when we get, if and when we get Stu back from furlough, we could talk about almost make a pod out of it. Is the um, the forthcoming salary cap in League One, which looks like they're going to be voting on it um, over the summer, and it looks like two point five million is going to be the uh, the cap. Um, no, no word on how much the championship cap might be, but my initial reaction to that is the the fear that it's going to only going to widen this this gap between the the Premier League, the Championship, which is almost Premier League Two now, and then League One and League Two, um, and whether a team in League One that's limited to two point five million spending on wages could then com- realistically compete were they to get into the Championship, where obviously the salary cap's going to be going to be much higher what, what's your take on the whole salary cap thing in general sal- salary cap i quite quite like the idea of it mm. um but yeah like like you say there the implementation of it is really really important um who knows if it will come in or not um it seems like clubs lower down the pyramid would would fancy it i i can imagine there'll be it's not going to be as a straight a, a cap as right that's it you've got to get below this cap immediately because there will be mm. pl- plenty of clubs actually that are above that yeah. in, ter- in terms of it. Like Fleetwood, for example, would be above that 
that cap. Um, so I, it's not going to suddenly come in and just be like, right, you've got to release or sell players left, right and centre. There'll be caveats in there about young players not counting towards the cap. There will be grace periods, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. If it's not implemented properly and with the championship having an appropriate um the championship having an appropriate one to this to a similar level of mm. as League One at an integrated sort of if it's not brought in as a three tiered approach within the EFL, that could be really quite difficult and another split in uh in aims really, because mm. it, yeah, it would have the it would have the effect of, of lengthening divides and making it incredibly difficult for, for teams looking to get up from League One to the championship and make an impact. Mm. Just just to give a little insight as to as to how that might impact on town. I think the last time town were in the championship, obviously when they when they got relegated, their wage bill for players was something like twelve million. Um and obviously a lot of those were cut in half um when they were relegated. But even so, say you're looking at a, a six million wage bill, having to get that into a two point five million salary cap is obviously going to be problematic and will require quite a lot of changes, which makes it all the more important, I think, for next season, Hutchie, when this salary cap isn't going to be, you know, you're not going to have time to introduce that for next season, whenever that might be. But for me, it just makes it all the more important and kind of adds even more pressure for town to, to get out of League One at the next opportunity rather than risk being still there when this may come in and then you've got that that issue with the divide. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> I've not really got anything to add to that, but yes, yeah. if... if uh... Yeah, I think there'll be a, a fair number of teams that will be looking, say it does get voted in later this summer and there's a clear plan for it to be introduced for the 21-22 season. There'll be a lot of teams, regardless of any grace periods or leeway or, or caveats that are in there to, to make it easier for teams mm. transitioning. Like For example, there's going to have to be something in there because teams being relegated from the championship can't can't all of a sudden just cut their budget into five and, and yeah. that that can't be allowed to happen. But yeah, it, there'll be plenty of teams looking at it thinking now now is the time for us to get out of this league because otherwise things are going to become a lot more difficult. Or, yeah. like, even, if, even if it was kind of a cliff edge cap that needed to be taken up immediately, Ipswich, <laughs> Ipswich have an awful lot of players out of contract next summer. So... Um, in terms of shedding wage, uh, there'll be a lot of players at Ipswich thinking actually, we we need to get back into the championship now as well if we if we want longer contracts here. Yeah, well, actually, that that's done with the news roundup. Shall we get on to some mm. awards? Yep. Because obviously Ipswich Town's season was disappointing. Um, you could argue that no one deserves an award, but we would argue here at the Kings of Anglia that we'll do awards our way. I don't um, care if no one wants awards. So I'm, we're doing awards. You're about, to hand out, you're about to hand out some gongs, baby. Yeah. Um, where, where do you want to start, Hutchie? Because obviously the, the, the headline award is going to be obviously your player of the year, the Kevin Beatty MVP award. Do you want to start with the kind of bigger ones or do you want to start with the, with the lower ones and build up? Uh, that's up to you. You're, you're the awards host. You've put the, you've put the show together. You, you chuck them at me okay. and, I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll give the gong out. He'll sling him out. Okay, well, I think well, let's start with the BT Award because I think it's probably going to be pretty obvious who's going to win that. So, um, and the rest of it might be a little less obvious, shall we say. So, the, for the 1920 season, the Kevin BT MVP, Most Valuable Player, Player of the Year trophy goes to, drum roll, who is it, Hutchie? 
hands down, Flynn Downs. <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, if there isn't, there is no player of the year award this year. That's, that's been, that's been cancelled. Um, not because the season was bad, but it is more because of not being able to actually present it or hold the vote in the way that they normally do with at the supporters club. But if it had been held that I, I cannot see anybody other than anybody other than Flynn Downs winning it. He, he's been, he's been very good. He was arguably the best midfielder in the division for much of the season. He's grown throughout the year. Um, and he's probably outgrown league one in a season. Wow. So, um, yeah, there's not much more to say about Flynn, really. He he, he was Ipswich's best player throughout the season, so he'll be delighted to take this award away, I'm sure. Unfortunately, he can't be with us for the award ceremony, but um, oh. we'll, we'll send it to him in the post. Uh, next up, Hutchie, let's, let's, get, let's get the two big ones out of the way and then we can move on to the, the slightly more Kings of Anglia-style awards. The, um, the Darren Bent Young Player of the Year Award. Who are you giving this one to? Um, I've made Flynn Downs ineligible. Yes. For, this, for this award and yeah. also also Luke Wolfenden despite being a young player um, he's ineligible because okay. he played played too many senior games yeah. so in terms of a young a young player um, who burst onto the scene and you know didn't didn't play too many games but did did give a little glimpse into the future I'll give I'll give the uh, the young player of the year award to Armando Dobra just to explain your reasoning he excites me, and I, and he, I think he excites. Uh, I think he excites anybody that watches him when he when he gets onto the pitch because he, he he plays with intent. He tries things. He's he's confident. He looks to take people on, and he's got attributes that Ipswich don't have um, yeah. in in many positions in the team. Um, he should have played more than he did. I'm not suggesting he should have been starting every week. Absolutely not. Um, He's probably not ready for that, but I, I'm surprised he wasn't involved more as as an option off the bench, a little spark. Um, uh, and it's great that Ipswich have got him tied down to a new contract. I'd, I'd expect to see a lot more from from him next season. Excellent. Okay, another one who can't be with us, but I'm sure um, we'll send messages out to the fans once he's got his, his award in the post. Um, right then, this one, this next one, actually holds a very special place in my heart for an obvious reason. The Aaron Drynan Surprise Package of the Year Award. Obviously, Drynan should win this every year, but um, who, who are you giving Surprise Package to for the past season? I'm, I'm sure Aaron picked up a, an award or two from the Air. Of course. Uh, the Air podcast. Of course, yeah. Um, Hot Air, I think it's called. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure he won an award there. But uh, the Surprise Package of the Year, uh, I'll, I'll go for Caden Jackson on this one because... Like. Um, when, which seems a lifetime ago now, when, when we were sat in the garden of Ipswich's German Romantique Hotel yeah. last July, uh, I sat with Caden and talking about what's coming for the season and he was quite low. Um, he wasn't expecting an awful lot. Um, I think he, he said that he, his aim was to make 10 starts and to, to just force his way to be a starter. But he's ended yeah. it he's ended it as the joint joint leading scorer. Um he's learnt how to use his pace a little better. There's still things he he can improve on in, in terms of his touch and maybe some of his runs at times. But yeah. 
He scored some really good goals. All all of his goals were scored in Ipswich wins, which is quite impressive. And um, yeah, I think he, he took a few people by surprise, including maybe his summer self. So uh, the surprise package of the year is Caden Jackson. Go on, KJ. Uh, next up, quite the opposite, the Adrian Paz Biggest Disappointment of the Year Award. Alton Towers. <laughs> um, no, the Adrian Paz Biggest Disappointment Award. I, I'm going to give that to John Nolan because oh. because John Nolan is a, is a football player I really like. Um, he's a good. There's a good football player in there. He's he's good on the ball. He's clever with it. He can move it. He can get up and support the strikers. He can he can shoot from range. He he can do it all. But he's just so frustrating because it it never seems to happen all at once or for any any period of time. Um, and that disappoints me because yeah. because in there, there's a really good footballer, but Ipswich just haven't seen the best of it yet. He was one of the, one of the standouts in the final kind of four months of the, of the relegation season from the championship. And you were thinking, oh, he's going to, he's going to come into this, this season and, and be a really big player. He, he's thrived in league one before, He's he's helped take Shrewsbury to to a playoff final after finishing third, and it just didn't happen. He he couldn't he couldn't win a regular place in the Ipswich team, let alone let alone dominate games. So yeah, a, a real disappointment because he because he's a good player. Mm. Next up, the Jermaine Wright Unsung Hero Award. The Jermaine Wright Unsung Hero Award. Um. I found this one really difficult because to give anybody a hero award. Yeah. Uh, there were no heroes and all the, and all the heroes were very much sung about because they were rare, rare positives. Um, yeah. But I, because I like him and I think he's maybe a little hard done by at times. Yeah. I'm going to give the unsung hero award to Janoy Dadassian because yes. because why not? Um, he's got his limitations, and I think he's very unfairly compared to Kane Vincent Young um, when they they play the same position, but they could not play it more differently. But I think Janoy, I think he did okay in when he was called upon. He was thrust into games like once every six weeks. He'd come in. And he'd do all right, but uh -huh. he just but he just wasn't Kane Vincent Young. Um, I I still think there's something there with with Genoi. Um I don't know whether he'll ever be nailed on as a as a starter. If it's particularly not now with um, Vincent Young back and fit and and very much the first choice right back you'd imagine. But um, this is one that probably people won't agree with, but. I like him, so uh, he's my unsung hero. The Donaissance gets an award as it gathers pace. Yeah. Um, right then, the sexy stuff goal of the season award. I'm going. I'm, yeah, off off the beaten track a bit with this one. There are some obvious ones. There's Garbutt's free kicks. Yeah. Vincent Vincent Young's solo effort against Tranmere. The mm -hmm. big team. The big team goal against Gillingham. But the one that gave me the the most excitement. Uh, was a really clever, 
really clever goal ultimately scored by James Norwood at, at Wickham on New Year's Day, which which gave Ipswich the lead at a time where you you'd really hoped that a pretty rubbish end to twenty nineteen would be a, a corner. A corner turned. They were away at the leaders. They were on Sky. Lambert had just signed his five-year contract in the morning, um, and it was a really clever goal. It was Alan Alan Judge and and Luke Garbutt took a quick a t- quick free kick down the left. It was a pinpoint cross from pinpoint cross from Garbutt. Judge needs a, a lot of credit for this because he was the one that kind of got it going and initiated it. And it was and it was a really clever cross. Took the Wickham defence by surprise, and Norwood headed it in. Ipswich were one 0 up at the leaders on TV, and you thought, "Come on, this could this could be a spark to a falling promotion bid," but it wasn't to be. But I really enjoyed the goal. I also enjoyed Norwood's trip chip against Accrington. Oh but, yeah, um, but um, but yeah, I'll give it to Norwood at Wickham. There are some good goals actually scored this season. I did a piece for the website, um, a poll on the goal of the season, and spent ages teeing up each highlight at the right point. Um, so go back and watch that just, to, just so I haven't wasted my time. It's online now. Um, the Martin... What, what? What was the outcome of the vote on that? Was it, uh, it was, Gar- it was Garbutt? Uh, no, I think it was Vincent Young's against Tranmere. The, mm. solo, the solo run. The yep. Maisie. The Maisie dribble. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go for Garbutt's free kick against Tranmere, though. Um, the Martin McCutcheon perfect moment of the season award. This is my moment. <laughs> do you this when is Martin... my perfect moment. <laughs> do you remember when? Do you remember when Martin McCutcheon was a thing? She was like a. She was a singer. She had number ones. She was in Love Actually. She was a big, uh, on her way to being a big name, uh, and then she sort of just vanished. Um, so anyway, we're bringing her back now with a K-Way Award in her name. Perfect moment of the season, Hutchie. Who's won this one? She's quite similar to Holly Valance. Just in, just before we get on to, she she had a big big period where she was doing everything but yeah. she just dis- she disappeared as well what happens to these people where are holly, they holly valance of course was in taken which was is she? Uh, yeah she was the the pop star that um he was he was protecting and oh, really who, who he saved her life that's a, that's a great film great film take anyway i'm digressing hutchie um who are you going to give perfect moment of the season to thomas holy's penalty save against wickham yes because uh couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke. Um, there was a lot of injustice in that game and Wickham got, a, I think it was 87 minutes for a penalty. Um, but the save that he made from from Joe Jacobson was was incredible. It was a really good save and uh, Portman Road went, went mad at rescuing a nil-nil draw. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll give it to that. And he gave it an excellent interview afterwards as well where he just talked about how much he hates penalty shootouts, um, yeah. pen, saving penalties, just not not interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is great. Which is odd as well for a guy who stands six foot nine inches. You'd think penalties would be his vibe. Also, a peek yeah. behind the scenes there, a peek behind the curtain. Um, on match days, I have to write the, the Itchwich Star back page because of, of deadlines. Um, so I'd already written basically the fact that Town were going to be held to a nil nil. Then they gave away a penalty in the eighty seventh minute. So I started rewriting town last night, lost, heartbreak, etc. And then he saved the penalty. So I had to go back and rewrite it again. Um, but fortunately, obviously, that was a good thing for town. And we also got a great picture from Steve Waller of the of the, the penalty save. So everything turned out nicely. Um, and now Rev- it's an award-winning award winning moment as well. There you go. There you go. Uh, rev my engine, 
Game of the Season award? I'm going to go way back, way, way back for way this back. one. None, yeah. of this, none of the 4-1 home wins, none of that. The 1-0 away win at Burton on the opening day of the season was as nervy was as nervy a football match as I can remember being at in the yeah. first kind of for the first half an hour or so, or even just before Garbutt scored what turned out to be the winner. Just there was expectation and nerves kind of swirling around because nobody knew how this was going to go for Ipswich. Um, and you felt at the time that an important, a really important thing was starting well and, and not, not being on the back foot early and um and they did and it and it was really it was really good um but it seems a lifetime ago and it ultimately led to absolutely nothing which is pretty <laughs> which is pretty which is pretty miserable but at the time at the time it felt really really important i have fond memories of that game because stuart watson um was at a wedding wasn't he the first game of the season is a family wedding which he which he couldn't and, and didn't want to get out of and so you covered that game with carl marston who uh, who arrived um, looking like he just strolled off a vineyard in France with a mahogany tan and his shirt essentially unbuttoned down to his navel? Um, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. The post get the post match interview you did uh, with Carl, um, the video was was just fantastic. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, right. We're going to do the final kind of semi serious one before we move into the uh, the KOA style proper awards. Martin Royser. Signing of the season award. Um, two candidates for this, um, and they're both kind of looking for the future rather than rather than what they actually ultimately achieved in their first seasons with Ipswich. But the two that I would consider would be Nor- James Norwood and and Kane Vincent Young. But I think I'll, I'll give this one to KVY yeah. because because not because of his nine games, which. Seven of them were brilliant, um, but because he's going to be there next season and it's going to be going to be really quite central. And that ultimately, I think Ipswich have got an absolute bargain there for half a million pounds. Mm. Well deserved, I'd say. Right then, now we move into the uh, the and finally KOA award, shall we say? Um, first up, Hutchie, Ivan Campo Best Hair Award. Not James Norwood, although no. he um, he's done. He's done well. The, hair, done well. the hairline is, is is good. He's done well there. But the best hair is... I'm going to give this to Luke Wolfenden for his M&M Real Slim Shady uh, <laughs> effort that I think it's sometime in February, maybe, unveiled. Yeah. yeah. Bleach, bleach blonde. Uh, looked all right. Strong. A strong winner. And, and Campo, I'm sure, would be proud. The KOA Army Best Away Day Award. So for the best away day what you're saying? Can I just quickly give out the worst hair award as well? Of course you can, yeah. Uh, Will Keane. Don't, I don't like man buns. Let's move okay. on. Okay. Um, <laughs> best away day. Um, obviously, away days are, are quite different for the supporters and then for Stu and I. Mm. So I'm going I'm to give this out as two, two halves of this award. For the fans, I absolutely loved seeing four and a half thousand Ipswich fans at Peterborough. Yeah. Um, in really good voice. Um, a bit of a rivalry developing there. Although strangely, there's a bit of a, a friendship in the board, at boardroom level. Mm. And then, uh, and then a rivalry on the, in the stands and on the pitch, which uh, will be resumed 
next season. Um, but yeah, the, the fans were, were so loud that day and in really good voice. I enjoyed that. Um, but for us, uh, for Stu and I, our best away day, I would say, was um, you can't get much better than spending a night on uh, in a Holiday Inn Express on the outskirts of Burnley, um, going to a half-decent Italian restaurant uh, in a suburb of Burnley and then being in Accrington by by midday on a Sunday. Um, so I'll probably probably give it give it to the Accrington away day. You boys live the dream, don't you? Absolutely. 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 But you can't wait to get back. Um, yeah. Right then, the, the Gabrielle Battistuta oddest moment of the season mm-hmm. award. I'm going to award this one to a, a period in time. Um, yeah. And it's the period in time from Boxing Day all the way through to probably about eight o'clock on New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> which is a very odd time in Ipswich's season, which began with a nil-nil draw with Gillingham on Boxing Day and then some very strange comments from Paul Lambert about... Um, wanting to leave again and not and if 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 they want me to go I'll go uh followed by a 5-3 loss at Lincoln which led to an hour long lock in in the dressing room um and further talk about Paul Lambert's future and then at around 11 a.m. on New Year's Day he signed a new 5 year contract okay. so um Highly unusual week there. Um, very, very strange. And it's yeah. still strange now, really. Still seems bizarre, doesn't it? Um, mm. A very, very deserved winner there for 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 moment of the season. Oddest moment of the season, excuse me. Right then, now we're in the KOA, the meat of the KOA awards. And first up, Ross Hall's Best Facial Hair Award. Who would you say are the real candidates here? Uh, I guess Chambers. Is always uh, sporting some facial hair, isn't he? Um, yeah. Are there many others with with kind of? This is it. Not not really. Like, uh, but but the person I'm going to give give it to deserves it. There is yeah. there's a there's a lot of clean clean shaven um, Ipswich players. Yeah. But I'm going to give the best facial hair award to Andre Dazelle's little chin tuft. <laughs> um, Yes. He's, got, he's got a little chuff, little tufty chin, which yeah. really looks like the kind of hair that you can, if you're thinking deeply, Yeah, it's quite good to kind of stroke and maybe pull on the individual hairs a little <laughs> bit. Makes him seem very wise. Um, I like Andre. Yeah. And, and I like his little chin tuft. So <laughs> he, he can have the Ross Halls Award for best facial hair. It's the kind um, of... It's the kind of beard that, uh, you know, when you're back at school and, and the lads who are kind of sort of developing quicker than everyone else, they'd have a, like, wispy little bit of facial hair and you'd think, yeah. fucking hell, I wish I could grow that. Looks like yeah. a right man, that kind of stuff. That's, that's the sort of vibe that D'Andre's got, isn't it, right there? Yeah, but yeah, but it suits him. Yeah. It, it, it really suits him. Um, yeah, I quite like it. Well done, Andre. Congratulations. Good stuff. Um, Dr. Stuart Watson, player who talks the most award. And obviously, we know Stewie... Currently on furlough, as is Ross. Stewie fond of of vocalising his thoughts in a in a kind of long and meandering monologue quite often. So, who, who's getting this award, Hutchie? Again, there's two candidates. Um, 
I could listen to Luke Chambers talk about football for hours. Yeah. Because um, whether I agree with what he's saying or not, I find him compelling. I do. And uh, my heart my heart raises when there's the prospect of speaking to him after games because I know it will be at least be an honest conversation. And sadly, that only seems to happen when Ipswich have been beaten because yeah. they, they trust him to do post-match interviews then. And he knows that he... Uh, I think he gets quite annoyed that he only gets to do them when they've <laughs> been been beaten. There's never yeah. a moment where Luke is doing post-match interviews after a good win because unless he scored the winner, but that hasn't hasn't happened for a while. But mm. I'd probably I'll give this award to Luke Chambers. Uh however, I could also listen to to Thomas Holy talk yeah. forever as well, because his enthusiasm is infectious. Mm. Um he's a happy man. He's got interesting stories to tell um, and he's fascinating to talk to. But he has already got an award. He's got the Martin McCutcheon Perfect Moment Award. Um, so I think I'm going to give this one to Luke Chambers. Spreading out the awards. Right then, penultimate award time. The, the Mark Heath, that's me, biggest tit of the season award. Uh, named after me because famously I am a bit of a tit. So um, who, who are you giving this to, Hutchie? Does it... Uh... This is not an Ipswich Town player. Is it Steve Evans? Yeah, it yes, is. Yes, get in. Yeah, yeah. The panel came back and were unanimous in this that he's just yeah. a, he's just an idiot. So, um, yeah, and I think I I think he knows it. Oh yeah. Uh, so this award is heading his way, um, and I can't wait to see him again next season. Superb. Uh, and in the final award, Hutchie can only be named after one man, the man who's handed out all the awards thus far. It's the Andy Warren Insight Award. This is basically your discretionary award to give to whoever you decide is worthy. So who are you giving the Andy Warren Award to this season? Uh, I'm giving this award to a man who I would imagine nobody listening to this podcast actually knows um, unless you work at the football club. Yeah. But there is a a man who works in security for the club <laughs> uh, from from Rome. Yeah. He's from, from Italy. Outrageously, he's in his 80s, but he, he's obviously had a lot of olive oil on his skin over his life. He's had a good diet. He's looking really good for it. His name is Benny. And Benny is the highlight of my day when uh, whenever I go to home games um, because he is... As happy as they come, he doesn't care about the football one bit. Uh, he comes and watches Stu and I do our little post-match videos as a one-man audience, which yeah. is which is quite off-putting actually. Uh, but but he enjoys it, and he's the security man, uh, so we can't tell him to go away. But he's got his high vid high high vis vest on, um, and he also brings pictures. Some sometimes just brings in pictures of what he looked like when he was in his twenties and thirties, just to show us. <laughs> uh, and he's also shown us pictures of uh, previous previous love interests. Of oh, his, nice. Okay. Which, which which he just brings in, um, yeah. which I love to see. So um, Benny is uh, is the winner of the of the Insight Award because because like he's. Because he's the best thing about Ipswich Town Football Club, <laughs> in, in my opinion. I like and that. I'm, I miss him greatly. 
I like that. That's nice. So here endeth the uh, the Oscars of the Ipswich Towns Awards season, the, the Kings of Anglia Awards, first first edition. Uh, I enjoyed that, Hutchie. Some good awards. I like the way you spread it out a bit. Um, we had some, she had some some good categories, some good picks. Very pleased that Steve Evans got the award in my name, um, and also the, the the nod for Benny at the end. Lovely. Good. Did you enjoy that? I did. Are we going to keep those categories safe for next year? Now, I think we should. I'll commit them to uh, to uh, email somewhere so we we can follow them up again next year. Um, who knows when next season might be over or indeed start? Um, <laughs> yeah, we shall see. Right then, Hutchie. Next up, we've got another bit of a, a set piece, as we call it in the trade, because um, we're going to play Mastermind. I'm really looking forward to this uh, and equally dreading it. Last week on the show, uh, in Mailbag, Nigel G, friend of the show, asked us about um, who would win Mastermind and what our specialist subjects would be. Uh, and our Amsterdam correspondent, Peter McLeod, was listening. Uh, and obviously, he's, he's currently in lockdown, I think, in Poland with his family. Um, so he, he took the time to put together a Mastermind game for us, Hutchie. Um, he's picked specialist subjects for us both. Yours is the office quotes. Mine is MMA, which is, you know, probably... Fair enough. And we've also got a general knowledge round, which I am dreading, I've got to be honest. Um, so I thought we'd, we'd play Mastermind, just purely because Peter's taken so long to put it together, and it might be a good laugh. So um, we're going to put some Mastermind music in, in, in the in the post-edit, aren't we, Hutchie? So that might appear somewhere around now. Um, good think, queuing. Good queuing. Exactly. I think we need to decide who's going to go first, um, because there's a point of order with yours which I just need to get into before we start. Um, Peter, here we go. Where's Andy's questions? There we go. Let's get your questions up. Now, Peter's put together, obviously, the, the office quotes, specialist subject for you. But controversially, he's included a couple of questions on the US office. Um, okay. So uh, I, we can either ask them, include them in the 10, or we can cut them out. And you can cut down my MMA one accordingly as well. What do you reckon? Oh, I, I, I'm not going to know the answer, but I will. Um, I know who the characters are, so I, I might be able to have a lucky guess. I'll uh, okay. let's just do it. Okay. Well, do you want to go first? Shall we start with your specialist subject round? Yeah. Do we need? Do we need a timer? I don't know. I've, I've got to be honest. I've never really watched Mastermind. Uh, so, I, uh, how long do they have? I don't know. So should we just do it without? Should Let's we just, just do it. Just start? Let's do it without. And if, if, if one of us is taking an ungodly length of time to answer, that will just be considered the wrong answer. Yeah. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Andy Warren, your specialist subject, quotes from The Office. And we start now. Complete this David Brent quote from Series 1. When people say to me, would you rather be thought of as a funny man or a great boss? My answer is always the same. Fred first, boss said second, probably entertainer third. That's not the answer I've got, my friend. Isn't it? The answer I've got is the to two me, are not The two are yeah, not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. Ah. That's wrong. Next question. Which philosopher does David Brent claim he's quoting in the Series 2 show interview when he says, if you want the rainbow, you've got to part with the rain? Dolly Parton. Ding! Number one for Andy Warren. Right then, first American office question. Complete this quote by Michael Scott in series four of the US version of The Office. I'm not superstitious, but 
I don't know. I don't think I've ever watched as far as series four. See, I think we should probably take yeah. them out. Let's take them out, shall we? Because that's not going to be fair. If I've got ten questions on MMA, uh, I've probably got a better chance than you of, of something that you've not really watched. Okay. So was that question? I'll delete your question three as well. Yeah. So you're going to be deleting yeah. question three, question six, and question nine. All right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So currently you're at one out of two. Uh, in the UK Series 1 episode called Judgment, David Brent has good and bad news. The bad news was that some colleagues will be made redundant. What was the good news? Uh... Going to have to push he's, it. Oh, he's been promoted. Yes. Nailed it, Hutchie. Two. Two out of three. Um, during Keith's appraisal in Series 2, he quoted, uh, he quoted accounts as his strengths. What did he quote as his weakness? Eczema. Yes. Hutchie's on fire. So you're now on, how many is that? It's four, isn't it? Four out of five. No, three, sorry, three out of four. Three out of four. Um, according to David Brent, which little-known Scottish outfit once supported his band? Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> four out of five. In the UK Series 1 episode entitled Downsize, what characteristic of Jelly did Tim say to Gareth he didn't like? Doesn't trust the way it moves. <laughs> yes, you're on fire, my friend. Right, final question. So you're, you've got five out of six, haven't you? Um, yeah. Final question, question seven. In the final scene of part two of the UK Christmas special, what are David Brent's last words to camera as he gets up to walk off? Last word, it, what, in, in a, is it in a sit-down? Because I think his last words are, I'll do it again when they take the photo, the group photo. Is that, is it in a little interview? That's not the answer I've got. Uh, I don't know then. Uh, apparently it's, have you got everything you need? Okay. So you've, you've finished with uh, five out of seven, which is a very healthy score in your, your specialist subject round. Yep, healthy, so, happy with that. Note that down, Hutchie's got five. Um, have you got my MMA questions ready to go? Yep. Superb. Shoot. Ready? Who, yep. did Floyd, who did Floyd Mayweather recently name as his pick for the best MMA fighter in the world? Uh, it's got to be Conor McGregor, hasn't it? It's not. It's uh, Mahmoud Muradov. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's that's one of the guys that he signed to the money team. Um, so someone who's not actually uh, in the UFC as yet, but uh, Floyd's obviously bigging him up. Anyway, I got that wrong. So that's a, that's a bad start. <laughs> Who is credited with the first documented use of the term mixed martial arts? Jesus. Uh, that does seem, di these do seem difficult. Uh, Bruce Lee? Uh, no, it is TV critic Howard Rosenberg. In, a, in, an L in an LA Times review of the UFC 1 in wow. 1993. Blimey, Peter. These are tough. Uh, okay. <laughs> Every day is a school day. Um, yeah. Denmark hosted its first official MMA fight in November 2012. Right. In what, but in what year did the sport become legal in Denmark? Hmm. That's a tough one. I know it's still uh, illegal in Norway because a lot of the Norwegian fighters have to come to the UK to fight. Um, 2012. <sighs> oh, it, it is still illegal. It, uh, still illegal in Denmark. Oh, it's a trick question. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
I think you've got you've got some tough ones here. <laughs> uh, who is the president of the sports governing body, the IMMAF? Uh Is it um is it Densign White? No. <laughs> it's it's Kerith Brown. Oh, oh. oh Peter, Peter, you've done me wrong here. Do you um are you interested in MMA at all? <laughs> uh, question seven. What is the? I think you'll get this one. Yeah. Because I, th- I think I might even have known this. Yeah. What is the nickname of Amanda Nunes, ranked number one in the women's pound for pound ratings? She's called the Lioness. Ding. She is yes. indeed one. Uh, question eight, which is also your question six. Yeah. Uh, in which year did BT Sport acquire the rights to the UFC? Um, but it's been on. It's been on BT for a while now. I'm going to say uh, 2014. Oh, close. 2013. Ah. <laughs> final. Final question. Need this. Uh, what nationality is middleweight UFC fighter Israel Adesanya? Adesanya. Adesanya. Yeah, he's uh, he's from New Zealand. Ooh. Well, I've got, by I've way, got... Nigeria. I'll give you that. Nigeria. Yeah. yeah. Nigeria. Has he got a bit of Maori in him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Israel um, sounds like a, a, a New Zealand name. Yeah. He um, He's very much based in New Zealand, but obviously, uh, originally, I think his family's from Nigeria. So I've got two there, Hutchie, which is, you um, have. Which is not, not what I was hoping for on my specialist subject, especially given... Um, looking at your general knowledge questions and what I can imagine mine are going to be, um, I've got a lot of work to do, shall we say, after that first round. Yeah, they, these general, yeah, your general knowledge questions are quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for yours? I, uh, I, I, yeah, I feel I'm going to embarrass myself here. Right then, um, so you've got five from the first round. Uh, I've got two. Right then, general knowledge. First question: na- What nationality was the composer Chopin? Polish. Yes, you've nailed that. I've, I've, been, I've been to his house in Warsaw. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, name one of Prince Charles' middle names. Oh, um, Tarquin. <laughs> you, could, you could have had Philip, which would have been an obvious one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Arthur or George. So you've got one so far. Oh, he's only got only got the three middle names. Just the three, mate. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is the largest lake in England by surface area? Windermere. Oh, wow. <laughs> Two out of three. Where did Ipswich Town first play their home games after they were formed in 1878? Um, Broomhill. Jesus Christ. Yes. Ding. Three out of four. You are flying. Which parliamentary constituency did Winston Churchill represent in the House of Commons when he was Prime Minister during World War II? Uh, I don't know. Gillingham. North. (laughs) Epping. Still doing well, my friend. Still still got three. Um, What comes next? Orwell, Deben, or the older... The ooze. Ooh. On the right line, it's actually the Blythe. And that, that's oh. obviously, those are obviously, as I'm sure you know, Suffolk rivers sequentially northwards. Um, so <laughs> so you, you, you still do well, mate. Still got three out of six. 
Which establishment was founded as the Leicester School of Art in 1870? Uh, University of Leicester? Close, close. De Montfort University. Oh, the one that I went to. Great. <laughs> Move on. In the 15 stagings of the Rugby League World Cup, only three teams have been crowned as winners. Name them. Australia. Yep. England. Incorrect. No. Incorrect. It's actually Great Britain. And Peter's actually put on, do not accept England as a correct answer. So I'm going to have to fail you there, my friend. Is the the other one uh, South Africa? New Zealand. New Zealand. Ah. Two more questions. You're on three. Before the marketeers got their claws into it, which popular fruit was known as the Chinese gooseberry? Oh, I feel like I should know this. Lychee? Close. The kiwi fruit. Is it? Yeah, there you go. We're learning. Edutainment, this is. Um, and which seminal 1980s US cop series featured the characters Frank Farillo, Joyce Davenport and Andy Renko? Uh, Keystone Cops. <laughs> You're close. I mean, it's three three words. Hill Street Blues. Mm, never, so, never seen it. So you've got three there to add to your five, which makes eight, which means I need seven out of ten oh. on general knowledge to win. I'm not backing myself. I've got to say, uh, looking at your general knowledge questions, I'd be happy with. I'd be happy with replicating your success. I've got to be honest. Okay, are you ready then? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Which Suffolk-born composer composer wrote the opera Peter Grimes? Uh, that is... Oh, what's his bloody name? Oh, I'm going to have to hurry you, Mark. The guy who's got a statue Three, on the beach. Ah, I can't think. One. Uh, uh. What is it? Benjamin Britten. Of course. Of course it's Benjamin Britten. I knew that. That's very annoying. How old's the Queen? She's 94. She is? Yes. Ding. What is the highest point in England? Scarfell Pike. Ding. I've climbed it. Correct. I thought you'd get that one. It was hell. How many... There's no points for this, but how many metres, do you reckon? Uh, I think it's uh, it's around... I want to say like 5,000 something. 978 you're oh, uh, you're big, you're bigging yourself up a little just, bit there just a bit out <laughs> <laughs> uh who wore the number 12 shirt for town in the 1978 fa cup final oh, um uh, uh, oh i don't know um george burley uh, incorrect. Mick Lambert. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Question five. Who was Henry VIII's sixth wife? Um, Catherine of Aragon. Close. Catherine Parr. That's what I meant, obviously. <laughs> didn't say that, though, did you? I didn't, no. So, it's all going okay. wrong. Question six. 
Yeah. You need you need all of them now. I need to, yeah. You could you've got one more you can get wrong to, to reach a tie. Yeah. Uh, you've got to get them all right, really. Yeah. What is the name of the river that marks the border between Suffolk and Norfolk? Brackets the scum at the North Sea. Uh, uh rivers are not my strong point. Um the the Blythe. Incorrect, the Waveney. Oh, I should have known that. Come on, Heath. Question seven. Which former yeah. town striker was educated at Thursford Community College? Thursford Community College. Um, town striker. He lives near you-ish. Lives near me? Near um, it-ish. James Scowcroft. James Scowcroft, correct. That's wrong, because it's actually Thurston Community College. Um, I've got Thursford here. Well, it's definitely Thurston, because that, that's my school as well. <laughs> and we went, oh. to the same, we went to the same school. So we, We've still got it correct. So, yeah. job done. Yeah. Question, question eight. Name three British Formula One world champions whose surnames begin with the letter H. Uh, James Hunt. Correct. Uh, um, Damon Hill. Yep. And his father. Um, can you give me his first name? Ah. Uh... His father was called um, George. Close, Graham. Ah! No points. You could also have had uh, a little-known man called Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, okay. Close. Uh, yeah. Question nine. Which fruit used to be commonly known as a love apple? I love apple. That sounds um, that sounds cheeky. Uh, I love apple. Um, what could a love apple be? Uh, a nectarine. Tomato. Uh, Is your love apple? Obviously. Last, last question. The strip bar, Bada Bing, was run by who? Uh, well, no, I'll give you the name. Was run by Tony in which TV show? The Sopranos. Correct. If only I was still in it with that question left. Yeah. So that, that, you got four okay. in that round. This takes you on to six. So you win with seven, my friend. A close run thing. I, I could have done better on the general knowledge. I knew Benjamin Britten and obviously Lewis Hamilton. Um, I should have got. Ridiculous. I was, I was, I was, I was overthinking things. Uh, didn't I get eight? Uh... No, you got five and two. No, you got wow. three. You're right. No, you're right. You got you got three in in general knowledge. So you got eight, my friend. So eight. yes, you you won by two, and I doffed my cap to you. Good quiz just, though. I enjoyed that. Just out of interest, what are the three MMA questions that I didn't get asked? Oh, I've just closed the email down now. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. No, I found it again. You weren't asked question three. Who is the founder of the MMA website Sherdog? No idea. Jeff Sherwood, 
obviously. Okay. Yeah. Question six: Who holds the record for the most sanctioned martial art, art martial arts bouts with three hundred and twenty in his career? Uh, some redneck in America somewhere, I would imagine. Uh, Travis Fulton is he a redneck in America? Uh yeah, he's he, oh yeah. Now you mention him, he's um he's been around since day dot. Uh, he's, and... He sounds like a redneck. Yeah, yeah. Travis Bolton. Mm-hmm. And and who was first credited with the using with using ground and pound as an effective fight strategy? I believe that was the hammer, Mark Coleman. Correct. Yeah. You've lost oh, the correct. Good, I enjoyed that. It was good. Thank you, Peter. Thanks very much for making me look a total mug on uh, on my specialist subject with some extremely difficult questions um, and also exposing my complete lack of general knowledge as well. So I've been I've been thoroughly humiliated there. And uh, and Hutchie, you're a deserved winner. Um, congratulations. Thank you very much. That. We should do that when we all four of us are back together. We should we should do our own um, KOA Kings of Anglia uh, mastermind. I think that would be fun. Sounds good. Right then, let's do some mailbag to finish, Hutchie. Um, I'm going to have to scroll back a little bit on my Twitter timeline to get to all the questions from yesterday. There were a few um, a few KOA Army awards as well that, that people wanted to give out from themselves. So I'll, uh, if I just scroll back. You'd scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll in. Excellent filling. Um, yep. God, yeah, we're going back a long way. Right, oh, the first one from Andrew, who calls himself Run Fat Boy Run. He says there has to be an award for producer Ross's mispronunciation of the season, and this is a good shout. To be fair, <laughs> there's only um, one contender for this. What are you saying? It's got it's got to be Sergey Bolcher. So it does have to be Sergey Bolcher. Andrew Andrew says um, just that, and so does FPL Tractor. But Daryl um, over in America, our, our uh, Friend of the show, number one. Also likes Itchwitch. That's a consistent favourite, that one. That That is a, a consistent issue, as is Chel- Chilton. Chol- Ch- 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 Chilton. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know, obviously Sergi Bolcher is, is the, the, the fan favourite, but I, because it's the, actually where he lives and he can't pronounce it, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've got a fondness for Itchwitch, I've got to say. Itchwitch. Um, and there was another, I do another fan award as well. Tom Rumsey, one of the KOA live posses, I seem to remember, he wanted a fraud of the year award. So I said, um, that's not on the list. You do it yourself. So he's nominated Thomas Holy, Paul Lambert, Leo Neal, and Stuart Taylor. And he's given the award to Leo Neal. So there we go. The Thomas Rumsey fraud of the year award goes to Leo Neal Hutchie. Any, any comment on that? I've got no comment. Okay. <laughs> um, right then, Harvey Davis, friend of the show. Sweet Welsh Prince. Is Danny Ward a realistic option this summer? Um, wages are the obvious thing, uh, the, ob- the obvious stumbling block. We think he'd be a great signing on a free if he stays fit. Not the biggest, but decent in the air too. Danny Ward. He fits the bit in terms of, ass- assuming we're talking about the Cardiff version of Danny. I think there are a few Danny Wards knocking about, but the Cardiff... The Cardiff striker version um, fits the bill. Um, I think Harvey's probably on the nose there with wage being maybe a bit of an issue. Would a team lower down the championship go in for him and sort of pluck him away from from Ipswich? He's, he's the kind of kind of striker they need. He can hold it up a little bit. Um, relatively mobile as well. Um, good finisher. Yeah, I'd, I'd, 
I think if if you maybe took, obviously Will Keane's leaving, um, if Danny Ward was to be the replacement, um, that would be excellent in my opinion. Simon Bartler wants to know: besides the obvious, Downs and Wolfenden, who do you think is the most saleable asset in the town squad if we need to raise funds in the summer? Uh it's a difficult one. There's not. There isn't. There aren't many. Um, Would Andre Dizel still raise a, a pretty penny? Yeah, he's in the last year of his contract now. Um, he's a saleable asset. I don't think you, you're not going. There's nobody else that you're going to be bringing in uh, what three million plus mm. uh, for. Dizel's not in that bracket now. But yeah, he's a, he's a saleable asset in terms of somebody higher up the food chain could take a. What what would be for them a relatively cheap punt on a on a player with potential? Um, beyond that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beyond beyond that, you're struggling. There's there, there'll always be. I think there will always be a little market for Caden Jackson, which we've talked yeah. about. We've talked about before on here about about that. Um, there are clubs. There are clubs looking at him. Um, Coventry being one. Um, so. Yeah, I, tell you, I suppose he's a saleable asset. But if you look down it, looking reading this squad out now, Holy no, Donatian no, Chambers no, Wilson no, Edwards no, Skews no, Jackson yes, Norwoods you, I'm not sure who you'd be selling James Norwood to at the moment. John Nolan probably not. <clears throat> Jack Lancaster, um, big fan of Jack Lancaster, but I'm not sure if people will, will pay for for him at the moment, given that he's not played for 18 months. Teddy Bishop no, Nidham no, Judge no. Sears, no. Toto, yeah. What about um, what about KVY? Um, yeah, he was the next one. Next one to get to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's probably one that has got a higher value than anybody else, but um, I don't think he's one that will be moving on. No. But yeah, no. There's not really. There aren't really many sellable assets in there beyond the young players. Okay, FPL Tractor wants to know what was the most surprising lineup of the year. All of them, I can't, <laughs> I can't, none of them stand out. <laughs> there wasn't one way you, you, you both of you kind of looked at you and went, "What?" Not that I can remember off the top of my head. It's a long there, time ago now. There were plenty of them where we looked at them and didn't notice the goalkeeper had been changed until somebody pointed it out because there were too many other changes in the rest of the team, and then you suddenly notice, "Oh yeah, it's changed the goalkeeper as well." Um, which which was all, always a bit of a puzzle, but no, no, there's not one that stands out in particular. Nigel G, friend of the show, with his fish, which is a bass. I'm sure, or it's a, a carp. It's a carp, um, isn't it? I, well, I think it's a bass. Okay, um, or, a, or a haddock, <laughs> a flounder. <laughs> um, Nigel G, how long will Lambo get if next season doesn't start well? We've talked about this before. We don't think it'll be long. Um, what's your thoughts on the speed of Town's build-up play, um, as well as having a clear formation? Is increasing our tempo another key area to work on? Um, yeah, I think that the ball can get stuck in midfield a lot from Ipswich, can't it? And they don't have runners in the team. So, yeah. um, they didn't really have wingers and a, a, the ball moves slowly through midfield and there are there weren't players that could run with the ball in the team, so in terms of speeding up build up play, 
yeah, they probably if they're going to stick with a similar approach, they'll need to. But I, I think I think if they could get some width higher up the pitch, it would that would sort itself out mm. potentially rather than rather than being needing to be a conscious change. But at the moment, there was nowhere for the ball to go, which which sounds stupid, but there was no width high up the pitch, no sort of head for of a target man to hit. Um, so there wasn't, there was no way of making it quicker, if that makes sense, other than a chucked ball down the line for for Caden Jackson yeah. to to chase. So yeah, um, there's an awful lot that needs to improve. Never a true word spoken there, Hutchie. Um, George Lee uh, wants the sharp intake of breath award. Players who on the ball make you worry severely. He's nominated Will Norris, Janoy Danassian, Luke Chambers, and Thomas Holy with his winner being Will Norris. What are you saying on that? I don't think Ipswich have got a goalkeeper that's capable of playing the ball out from the back on a like, really regular basis. It wor- That worries me in in general. Um, rather than a certain player on the ball, ball, it's when... We didn't see it so much last season necessarily, but just, just seeing goalkeepers and defenders kind of messing, bo- messing around with the ball in tight areas... Mm. At, the, at the back. I think all of the players on that list were defenders or goalkeepers, weren't they? Uh, yeah, Norris, yeah. and Chambers, Holy, yeah. And there's a reason why, if you haven't got the players to do it, don't mess about with that kind of thing in defence, because to me, you don't see when it's going to end in, in something something brilliant. Um, it's always just a danger. Mm. George wants to know, with the effects COVID's going to have on the transfer market, can you see Evans investing as he'll kind of get more for his money as players will be cheaper? This obviously we touched on last week. You'd imagine that A, players are going to go for less money and B, is that going to make teams more or less kind of likely to to sell their assets to try and raise some money? Are they going to need to do that um, or will they keep hold of them because they're not going to get as much money? Can you see Evans suddenly splashing the cash? No. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't no. think anyone can. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thomas, friend of the show, says, we know that El Mazzuni, Lancaster and Dobra are likely to get a chance next season, but is it realistic to think Falami, Drynan or Morris have a way back? Or has the behemoth that's Tyree Simpson barged in front? Now, obviously, Matt Drynan's always got a way back. Um, winner of multiple hot air awards, uh, as we touched on earlier in the show. What are you saying, though, for, for Falami and Morris? Is Tyree Simpson above them now in the pecking order, do you think? Um, I like Falami. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think Tyree Simpson could do with some, some adult football on loan somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's kind of now or never territory, maybe, for Falami, who's he's, he's over 20 now. I think he'll be 21 next season. Drynan struggling to see a way back for him, sadly. So you're going to have to get get yourself up to air what? more regular more yeah. regularly. Ben Morris is one I really like. Um, um, I think he could potentially play in one of the if there was a front three, he could play in one of the wider roles as well. Yeah. So I, he you got to remember Ben 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 came back from a cruciate injury at the same time as Freddie Sears did last year. So for him to suddenly get fit and jump up into the first team was a, was a tough ask, particularly when the kind of player that he's like was fit in Jackson, in Caden Jackson. The, re- the reason Tyree Simpson kind of got about it is 
the need for the physical presence, which Ben Ben Morris just hasn't got. They're different players. I mean, no, I don't. I think both of the Bens could still could still have something to say um, at Ipswich, but Falami. Falami isn't helped by the fact that he he goes away with the Australia younger Australia teams, which which last year generally clashed with EFL Trophy games. Yeah. So the games where he might have got a chance, um, he was in Thailand or or Australia or something playing playing other Asian association teams in the uh, for the for, for the Aussies. So I, I like them. I like all of them really. Um, I do think that your boy Drynan is going to have to start thinking about life elsewhere at some point. Say it ain't so. Um, Harry Butcher, friend of the show, um, wants to know, when can you all see Pob's realistic opening? Um, I believe it's July the 4th, isn't it? They, they can open. Um, most of them are going to have to be out, outdoors only, though. Uh, and if you've got three-hour queues for Sports Direct, what are the queues for Pub's going to be like, actually? It's going to be... You have to start selling tickets to beer gardens. I can see, <laughs> like at um, like at the deli counter in supermarkets. Yeah, you take, exactly. You take, take your little paper ticket. Exactly. Um, Andy Merck wants to know which establishment on the A1 wins Food Stop of the Year award to and from away games from Andy and the Good Doctor. The choice isn't great on the A1, um, as as you will all be fully aware. The OK Diner. Is on the A1. Um, another A1 services that we would use would be Blythe, but that's always very depressing. Um, generally, on the way back on a Saturday night, if 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 we can get away from the A1 um, down towards the very very base of it, then Peterborough services uh, absolutely would be would be the winner. Um, but that's on the A1M, <laughs> so. I, different road so I don't know if it qualifies but I would skip everything that's on offer on the A1 in favour of making it down to the to the A1M if I if I possibly can there you go there's your answer um, our Danish friend Keenor Sorensen wants to know who is the not English player of the year he says his, his nominations are Judge Holy Dobra Edwards with his winner being Holy surprisingly uh, <laughs> Um, he says, stay safe. Uh, where are we go now? The Sorry. not English player of the year. <laughs> I can't see it. I can't see it catching on as award category. I've got to say. No, you could call it overseas player. Yeah. Maybe. Foreign Johnny foreigner player of the year. Yeah. Um, Stephen Fuchs. What's the difference between teams voting to end the season because no fans are allowed in and starting next season with no fans in anyway? Will they just vote to postpone the start? I mean, that is going to be the next drama is going to be when, the season starts, isn't it, Hutchie? We, obviously, we know that September is look, being looked at across the board, but whether or not League One and League Two can afford to start without fans in the ground, who knows? Um, yeah. Ray wants to know, what are our values and philosophies as a club? Evans has never seemed to have an in-depth plan other than plod along in mediocrity and release a few generic quotes. What do you reckon, Hutchie? Values and philosophies as a club. The Ipswich Way obviously was a was a famous thing not too long ago, but I'm, I'm not sure whether that that still stands. Yeah, it's uh, that's a difficult one because it depends whether you're talking about the club or whether you're talking about the current owner of the club. I would say just about the current 
just about hanging on with the philosophy of the club being trying to play good football and bring young players through uh, as a philosophy. Uh. But whether that philosophy is being fully committed to by the by the, the person at the top in charge of it um, is then sort of the, the subject of debate, really. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a valid question. Uh, Chris Bennett, you'll be pleased with this one, Hutchie. Chris Bennett's giving you an award. For Me? Best, best singer. Wow. Andy for the mailbag tune, and he adds, the most overhyped player goes to KVY. Purely based on him getting in many fans' ITFC team of the decade, he's played nine times for us, he says. Um, and then final question I think it's going to be for this week. Harrison Smith, what positions realistically do you think need improving in the summer? Left back if we don't sign Garbutt, or will not Nigel be able to fill that spot? Wingers, or is Lancaster fit? Creative midfielders, or is Judge enough? I'm kind of thinking out loud, but want to hear other opinions. So if you had to prioritise positions that need strengthening, Hutchie, in the summer, what would you say? Uh, yeah, I think I think they need a left back, a left back option of some kind because Miles Kenlock barely featured after the middle of September um, mm. for a re- for a reason. Um, I personally think he could have been given a given more games, but it does seem that Lambert's not overly impressed with him. Um, so yeah, left back. I think you're going to struggle to push another creative central attacking midfielder through the budget, given that there's on the, on the budget sheet at the moment, judge is there and not, not a cheap player by any yeah. means. Bishop's there. Obviously there's fitness issues there, but you can't, I don't know if Lambert could convince Evans to open the purse strings for an attacking midfielder, given that there's Nolan as well, who can play in that position that, They've got too many. Like mm. Jack Lancaster is fit, and I'm sure he'll play plenty of games because he's a, he's a really good young player. I'm looking forward to seeing him back again. But I still mm. think you could do with another winger, and then um, I think you need a striker of some of some description, probably a bigger bigger striker. So maybe three there, a left back, a left a left sided winger, um, and then a striker. They've got a left-sided winger, mate. Just signed him from Berry Town. It's called Ross Crane. It's going to you, be tremendous. You absolutely love this guy, don't you? I do. Yeah, he's going to be like a like a poor man's Connor Wickham, I think. Um, right. He's seventeen. Long- he's seventeen. Let's uh, let's have a look at him first. Let's. Uh, I mean, the longer obviously <laughs> there is before next season, he might be nineteen by the time the next season starts. True. So. True. He might have to. His career might be over. <laughs> having to, having to retire. Right, final question, Hutchie. I know a lot of fans have been asking about this. Um, from Kevin says, "What's the update on the kit?" Um, they're still hopeful for the end of end of this month, so in the next in the next two weeks. Uh, and are we expecting it all to be launched at, at, at the same time, or are we going to have different launches for home and away? Do we know anything like that? Um, I don't. They're not sure about that at the moment. Okay, um, cool. But c- certainly, the home one will be. Their aim is still at the end of June. Okay, cool. That brings us to the end of Mailbag Hutchie uh, and brings us to the end of what's been quite an epic pod. How long we? What's the running time on this one? An hour and twenty. Wow, that's long. Um, it's been quite good though. I've enjoyed it. We've had uh, we've had the awards. We've had myself be made to look a right mug on on Mastermind and you winning that. And we've had some good questions in Mailbag as well, Hutchie. Um, before we go, what, what have you got on your agenda before we speak again next week? What are you going to be doing this weekend, etc. Um, I can't look any further ahead than my lunch today, which is um, 
some rocket that I've picked from my garden, um, some mozzarella, and some unduja unduja sausage. Oh, yes. uh, That I'm going to make into a little sandwich and toast it up. Do you Uh, know, unduja sausage is is one of my favourite things. It is a wonderful, wonderful food source. Uh, and it's so it's so um it's so versatile as well you can use it in so many things and that that sounds brilliant that with mozzarella sounds fantastic my mm. friend yep where do you get your indouyas from um generally uh from waitrose do they do uh, it in there I, I ordered some off amazon did you <laughs> yeah so you've got yours kind of like a sort of chorizo style have you like in a full sausage because you can get no, all no. sorts of it's in a jar it's in a jar, is it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Very, very nice on a pizza as well. Um, don't you, need you, much, do you? You don't. Because it, it's very flavoursome. Yeah. So that's that's all I can really think about. I've got no plans beyond that. Do you know what I'm doing this weekend, Hutchie? Or indeed, what I should be doing now? Now, I, I know what you're doing this weekend, but right why... now, right now, I should be on holiday. I should be in the Inner Hebrides in Scotland celebrating quite a landmark birthday this weekend it was a a bucket list trip for me to go to the home of whiskey and spend most of my time drunkenly wandering from distillery to distillery on a very remote scottish island um obviously that got kiboshed by the by the rona and this weekend i'll be i'll be celebrating quite a significant birthday at home not not quite as i expected um but it should still be good my liver's going to take one hell of a kicking um and i fully expect i've got i've got scales that, that tell you your metabolic age when you stand on them. Um, so at the end, at the moment, my metabolic age is 34 based on various factors. Come Monday morning, I fully expect to stand on those scales and it's say your metabolic age is 65. Um, <laughs> I think my body's going to take a bit of a beating this weekend, but hey, um, it's a big birthday. So I'm going to, I'm going to go balls out as they say um, and, and see where that leaves me. Gen- so genuinely, how yeah. uh, Say you because you, you're you're off tomorrow, aren't you? On a kind of a long weekend. Yeah. Say, how much could you push your metabolic age, given oh, your think... week, your given your weekend of activities that you've got planned? Is it possible that you could I think essentially we're gonna... take a year off your body's life? I think we're going to find out because um, I'm certainly going to I'm certainly going to test my test my body this weekend in in ways that it may be not accustomed to. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably going to stick on, I'd say, at least half a stone over the four-day um, birthday bonanza, um, plus consume my own body weight in whiskey, which will which will take a hit on my, uh, my internal organs functioning, which is part of the, part of the metabolic thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'll update you all next week as to how much metabolic age I stuck on over <laughs> over four days. I'll give it a good go, though. Um, yeah, looking so forward when, to it. When will you weigh in? When will you weigh in? Well, the... I'm off. I'm off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So probably Tuesday morning because um, we've got plans every one of those days for fairly, fairly epic feasting and and drinking. Um, with Saturday being the big day itself. So hey, carry on. If you fancy sending me a present, by all means, um, do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but it won't be obviously quite the same. Uh, and you yourself have had a, another holiday cancelled, haven't you? You were meant to be going away at the end of the month, so. Who knows when we get back to normal? Who knows? Who knows? Right then, Hutchie, 
let me say the usual spiel. Um, if you've enjoyed this nonsense, hopefully you have. Hit subscribe on your various podcast providers. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. We've, we had a, a couple of those recently, but it's always nice to have more because it helps us visibility-wise in the charts. And also follow us across all our social medias on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Especially Twitter. We're trying to grow the Twitter following at the moment, so so do follow us on there if you don't already. Hutch, you've got anything else to say before we get back to work? No other business. No other business. My friends, I'm off to have a drunken and debauched birthday weekend. I hope you too have a great weekend wherever you are. Hutchie, enjoy your sandwich for lunch, and we'll speak to you all again next week. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.